Welcome to the Twinning Podcast, a podcast that shares the unfiltered truth about raising twins. Here are your hosts and fellow twin parents, Megan and Ben. Hello and welcome to the... What's the name of our show again? I don't know. What is it? Just kidding. Welcome to the Twinning Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Megan. And we're back. Yeah. It's Sorry, it's been a busy summer. Yeah. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm I'm good. I need a vacation. I was just telling somebody this today. Like, we usually take our vacation earlier. Well, we take usually take it in August, and it's not until late September, and I am just burnt out from it, working. Working and it's been busy for it both has of our work. Yeah. And our kids, I mean, we've had that's why we really haven't done any a show in a while. It's just been busy. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. They're enjoyable. Uh yeah. Most of the time. They love having dance parties. Oh yeah. They love Elmo. Yep. Even though it sounds like Oma. Do you notice that? Yeah. (laughs) Um but yeah, I mean it's a it's it's been a crazy summer. Yeah. But let's important things first. Yep. Let's have some wine. Yeah. Let's do it. So this wine that we're tasting is how do you say the name? Chilenes. Mm, I don't know. Chilen- Chilensis? Chilensis, Chilensis Reserve Chardonnay, 2016. We got it from an. How is? Oh, hey, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. How is it a Reserve Chardonnay if it's from 2016? Somebody please tell me that. It's not 2017. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. But we got it from. Uh, we found this awesome wine store. Yeah. And it's a chain, so you guys probably have one wherever you are, but. It's called Wine Styles. Yeah. And we were joking a couple of weeks ago about how we used to love going to like the boutique wine places downtown in Madison. We, and we still do. We still do. But this is more our, sub, our suburb type of little shopping center that yeah. has the wine store. It has the movie theater and it has Costco. Oh, and yeah. so it's like a perfect date night wrapped up in one block. Oh, yeah. Because then you can go get your you can go to Costco you can go get your appetizer glass of wine and then you can go get your movie to go to your movie and get dinner. How, yeah. how much better is that? And it's only like what? Three miles, four miles from our house. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. This wine's not that bad. We are so old. Yeah. It is actually We're parents really good. Now. Yeah. Without it, the minivan. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. You're driving and I'm not. <laughs> it's a pretty good wine though. The Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. It's chilled though. Yeah. But you put it in the chiller. I did. So what's new with us? Nothing really. It's just, it's been a crazy, just crazy busy summer. Um, we're, yeah. you, we've been taking the girls to the gym a lot. Yeah. You've been, because I've been either going there or going somewhere else. Yeah. What else have we been up to this summer? We had your grandma oh, visit yeah. us. Grandma and Bill came up. And then. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it seems like it's just been busy. Yeah. I got sick. I was weird. Oh, yeah, you were sick, sick for a while. That was mm-hmm. that weird. Kinda, that sucked all around. Um, I tr- I've traveled so much for work this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I survived. You did survive. With only a few complaints. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the girls. So now, you know, it's the week coming up on Labor Day. 
so they're right around like what 20 22 months somewhere in there so it was almost two years ago that we started this podcast it was i was thinking about that the other day because we were at we were at the jersey shore and everybody in the family was help buttoning rebuttoning cloth diapers and we were doing some cloth diapers well, no, that was and that was when we had several name books, mm-hmm. and we were highlighting. We didn't know if we were having yep, boys we or didn't girls. Have a no, we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or girl, mm-hmm. or boys or girls. We knew they were twins. We did. That was it. I thought it was boys. Yeah, I did. What did I think it was going to be? Thought it was girls. Yeah, I had hoped it was. I gonna think be girls. you just went against me. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember what I was like in a boy and. I don't know if I could have dealt with two of us Mm -hmm. or two of me. (laughs) So what have the girls been up to? You know, they've, um, they're doing some fun, cute things. Like they really enjoy hugging each other. You had, you got them holding hands. They, that is the sweetest thing. So I'll walk them into the gym and usually like it used to be where Harper would not walk herself in. I would have to carry Harper and then I would have to hold Charlotte's hand because obviously they're heavy and I can't carry two of them anymore for very long right um so now i'll be like charlotte hold my hand and then she'll grab harper's hand and hold harper's hand and then i'll grab her hand and then we'll just be like training it down the the sidewalk, the sidewalk. that's Super pretty cool. cute yeah and we've um yeah i feel like we've it's just been busy yeah what else have they been up to anything new i mean they're starting to say more words they still have no hair Except for we can put it in ponytails now. Well, we can put it like in a, you know, pebbles ponytail on mm-hmm, top of their head. Up. Um, they pull bulbs out of their hair. Mm-hmm. I still had somebody call them, um, ask if they were boys or girls today. That kind of sucked. Well, um, you said it was a little kid, right? Yeah, it was a little kid. Yeah. Um, they're I've get- seen adults before where I'm like, are you a boy uh, or a girl? We've got them in a couple of classes this coming fall. So they're going to take a soccer class. Yeah. Which will just be hilarious right i i imagine one if not both of them will run away from the ball they are my children by the way yeah um and they're taking an art class oh an art class yeah that's cool so that's my 10 my you know 20 second run down here anything else you've got to add no they've just been um i feel like they are getting to a point where they are becoming helpful like they enjoy putting stuff away oh, especially they, charlotte mm-hmm. she is like mother oh, hen yeah she like if i change harper she wants to take that diaper and throw it away put it in the garbage mm-hmm. um she'll even say ick mm-hmm. um, they definitely say a lot more things yep Harper charlie will like pretty much mimic anything you say yeah we'll have to watch that coming up yeah um but yeah i mean it's just been where we've been having fun just mm-hmm hanging out and um yeah we're getting ready to, like you said we have a labor day with your mom coming mm-hmm. up and then um a couple of weeks we'll be headed out to dc and mm-hmm. jersey yeah so it should be a fun yeah couple weeks fun coming up fall i love fall in madison mm-hmm. so excited for it not yeah. really excited for winter but no but like the girls you know i'm sure everyone's seen the videos on Facebook and Instagram, the twinning podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they love swings and just, they've been going in Madison. They have done this thing with the university. It's called, um, 
like what is it called? Something about Bucky's Bucky, on Parade. Bucky's on Parade, and it's all a bunch of Bucky Badger statues painted differently. Eighty-five of them throughout the city, and my parents have been really working hard. It seems like every week taking the girls out to get pictures with each and every one of these Buckies, and hopefully, it sounds like they'll be wrapping it up this weekend. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not flooded. Yeah, we've been also dealing with some flooding issues in the city, so. But this week, um, we, today, tonight, just now, we had an opportunity to talk with Jeremy Schneider. Um, he's an author that wrote a book about fatherhood, and he's the parent of 15 and a half year old twins. Um, and he seemed happy. Yeah. He was still alive. And he, that was, I mean, he wrote a freaking plus. book. He did. So he's, so the hope of productivity. Dude's an overachiever. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, but it was, we had a really good conversation, you know. It was one of those where I wasn't sure where to take it, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't know him. I don't know his humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we really had a good conversation yeah. with him. And it was interesting to hear a lot of good tidbits and stories from him and how his stories, even though they're 15 years apart from ours, how they kind of matched up to what our story was. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, he gives such like a good piece of advice. I don't want to spoil it. Um, I thought it was one of those that like, I'll probably think about for several days now. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me, so the book that he wrote, you can find it on his website and his website is J G S dot net. It's his name, Jeremy G Schneider dot net. Um, and his book is fatherhood in 40 minute snapshots. And it, just glancing at the book, um, definitely something. I'm not a reader, and I'm probably going to read this book. I mean, it looks like something that I'll be able to relate to or plan ahead for. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, it's one of those I read a review online where it's like, it's not just for dads, it's for any adult. And I think anybody, if you're listening to a podcast about twinning, there's a reason behind it. I think it's something that you might actually enjoy too. So check out his website, jgs.net. Um, you can buy the book on Amazon as well. Um, and again, it's fatherhood in 40 minutes or 40 minute snapshots. And um, anything else? No, I'm right. good. Here's our conversation with Jeremy Schneider. All right, Jeremy, welcome to the Twinning Podcast. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. My name is Jeremy Schneider. I uh, was born and raised in Philly. I'm not sure how far you wanted me to go back. So I feel like that's no, a good that's place fine. to start. We like Philadelphia. I've, yeah, I I, uh, I still love Philadelphia, even though I am uh, amongst New Yorkers. <laughs> I um, I've been married now for almost nineteen years. Nineteen years next month. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Uh, we've been together for twenty seven years. Uh, I like to joke we were on the, the slow lane on the highway towards marriage. <laughs> uh, uh, and we had twins, uh, boy-girl twins, in 2002. Wow. And I started writing about them when I was, when they were, sorry, uh, about a year and a half or so. Okay. Uh, and I've been writing about them ever since. And that writing somehow turned into this book. Uh, fatherhood in 40 minute snapshots. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of exciting. looking, so that's, I'm horrible at math. That's what, 15, 16 years ago? Are they 16, yeah. 15, somewhere in there? They're, they're 15 and a half. Yeah. Wow. Getting close to 16. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking back, they're going into tenth grade. They start tenth grade on Tuesday. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and you're still talking, so that it's kind of like a we, glimpse of the future are. that we can you can you can make exactly. it through twins survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't want to be presumptuous. Uh, I still have a couple years of teenagerhood ahead of me. So. Yeah. So going back to um, when you found out you were having twins. Um, I don't know if you remember too much, but can you tell us, like, remember what was, like, going on in your mind when you found out you oh, both were having twins? Absolutely. I don't think you can forget that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was both uh, incredibly exciting and, and bordering on traumatic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we, so I was, this is terrible, I was already unemployed. Um, the company I had worked for had gone out of business in the dot-com crash in 2001 so i had been unemployed for almost a year by the time we found out she was pregnant and then so that was that was uh that was a a bit of a stressor you know i was a little stressed about that and then we went to her first sonogram at nine weeks i think and we uh sat there and the tech who was doing the sonogram was this incredibly unpersonable person <laughs> who must, you know, who does a hundred of these a day and nothing favors him. And he saw the, the picture, you know, we all saw the picture and he was like twins. <laughs> and that's what he said. And I was like, not fully understanding his words. And my wife says, oh, but they're fraternal because they're in separate sacks, right? And it was just this like crystal crystal clear moment of, I'm going to be behind for a really long time <laughs> on what's happening here. Um, and he wouldn't even print out, because that was back in the day, right? I mean, we, mm-hmm. he wouldn't even, we had to beg technicians to print out oh, the... Wow. Um, sonogram photos and he wouldn't do it and finally i guess he just i always sort of think he just saw the kind of pathetic desperate look on my face that i was like oh my god i'm having twins and i'm unemployed Mm -hmm. and he printed out one of the photos and gave it to us and we went to the and i'll never forget this we went to the elevator and there was a woman standing right next to us and i just i wanted to show her and I was just, I don't know, I was too shy or too inhibited. I know now I would absolutely have shown her. I would have been like, hey, you want to see? But, <laughs> back, but back then I was too, I was, I don't know, I was too inhibited. And I didn't. And uh, we then went and saw her mother. Uh, and that's when we, and we told her mother mm-hmm. that she was going to have not just one grandchild, but two. So did you guys tell her mother pretty quickly then right after that? Was that like that day? Yeah, yeah, we literally left from uh, the sonogram to meet her for coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she came to, um, she worked in the city, but she came into the near where we were, knowing we were having the sonogram and wanting to be the first one to, to hear all the details. She didn't realize the news she was going to get. <laughs> but yeah, we ended up um, telling our parents pretty quickly right after because it was one of those that yeah. we couldn't like you you know you're, you're so excited but then also right. so scared, scared yeah yeah and um 
but yeah, it was a, I, like you said, it's something you can't forget. I remember us just sitting there. We've told our listeners many times, but the lady was just kind of scanning over Megan, and Megan said, there is only one in there, right? And she was pretty nonchalant, <laughs> just saying, nope, two. And yeah. I remember it just yeah. got quiet. You could hear a pin drop in oh, there at yeah. that moment. And there was no excitement for me. I'll be honest. Like, I was scared shitless. Like, yeah. how, how. And I was grinning how ear do to you ear. Do this? I was just, really? Oh, yeah. I was so excited. I had kind of made the prediction, what, two days before that. And on our drive, we were coming back from Minneapolis. And um, I remember just saying to Megan, I'm like, what? Did- oh, I made that bet with you. That yeah, you wanted to name the baby Jesus. Well, no, I said, <laughs> I get the naming rights. I get the naming rights if we're having twins. And you're like, we're not having twins. I'm like, well, then give me the naming rights if we do have twins. And you're like, okay. And then, like, right away, she's like, you don't get to name the baby. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> and um, that's great. So how were those? I'm with you, Megan. I'm sorry. I was just no. going to say, I'm with you, Megan. That if you, if you have twins and aren't just terrified, I I feel like you're not quite fully understanding right. what's about to come right. come your way. Yeah, and it was, you know, from everything, we had a small house. Um, neither of us really have uh, twins on our family. Yeah. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. we ha- I have Same one here. set of twins on our family. Um, the closest identical sets, like my dad's cousin's kids. Uh, so it wasn't something we actually thought about. I didn't realize right. that. You know, identical twins can be spontaneous. Um, and right. So like you said, you start, you really start learning a lot really quickly. Yeah. Um, and with ours, they couldn't see, they knew they're in the same sack, but they couldn't see what, a separator between the two. So we, after we found out we had twins, we waited, what, 16 weeks, 14 weeks until we. No, it was only, it seemed like it, it was yeah. only a few weeks until we found out they were not Momo twins, oh, okay. but. But yeah, it was still a stressful time, and the whole pregnancy was stressful for you, both yeah. of us. And um, so going into those first couple months at home, um, tell us like how how was everything going? Did you did you get a job? Did you uh, were you stay at home <laughs> dad? How did everything? Oh, that's work right. Out? What was what what came out of that? So uh, I think it was three weeks after we found out we were having twins uh, and actually almost 52 weeks to the day um, that I got laid off from my company that collapsed. Um, I got a job offer and, you know, I didn't haggle with her or anything. I was just like, okay, I'll take it. Take it. <laughs> um, and, you know, my health insurance kicked in three months later and they were born, uh, four months i mean we were they were born um you know two and a half months about 10 weeks premature oh wow. um so you know that came a lot we actually were due in sort of the third week of february and they came in the third week of december um and we were uh really caught off guard i mean it was literally one of those like we were uh we had we lived in the city at the time and so we lived in a one bedroom apartment um, and we, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. We came back from dinner on a Friday night, we had takeout and we were just sitting there and she starts having contractions 
And then they start coming pretty quickly. And, you know, we call the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, it's probably okay. It's probably okay. Don't worry. If another one happens within 20 minutes, go to the hospital. So another one happened at 21 minutes. And then it happened again at like 23 minutes. And we were like, okay, we got to go. And she was in the hospital for, I mean, she ended up being in the hospital for a full week. But she was in the hospital that Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then gave birth Tuesday morning and for an emergency C-section. It was a really, it was just a kind of a brutal way of having children. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if how your experience was, but for us, it was just, you know, she was given a lot of um, anti-contraction medication to try and prevent the contractions. Um, but, you know, it's um, essentially, it's like, you know, drugging her and giving her a muscle relaxant but like a significant serious one. Um, So they had to check her heart and there was one day where she wasn't moving at all. And it was just, it was really horrible. Um, You know, and then they come out and, you know, she's been through this very difficult experience and, you know, my whole family's in the hospital. It was such a, I don't know, it's a, it's a hard way to begin that process. And I definitely think, you know, we both were playing a little catch up from that. You know, it took us a while to kind of get our bearings because they were in the hospital for four weeks in the NICU in the neonatal intensive care unit. And then so every day we went home without them. And that was really hard. And then they came home and we had to adjust to them being home, which was really challenging because that all of a sudden we went from being kind of part time parents to full time parents, which is a strange thing, you know? Um, and so the, you know, the first few months were really, really tough. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing and, but then it's like two beings wanting our attention and needing to be fed or changed. And you're like, it's like, you didn't have a chance to even think about one cause you're always worried about the other. And it, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely tough the first, first few months. Right. Yeah, ours. Um, I keep saying ours. I, so is it ours? It's, it was your pregnancy. You didn't give birth. <laughs> I, I know that's a you. tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Like you don't want to take away the experience from from Megan. Yes. I certainly don't want to take it away from my wife. But on the flip side, we we wanted to be really a part of that process, and and, it's, and probably tried to be really a part of that process. And, and it is kind of ours. Too. Yeah, it's right. stressful because right. there's nothing you can do. Um, no, the only thing. No, I remember pretty much. Um, very similar, kind of similar story. You were in the hospital for a week at what, 31 weeks? And then oh, wow. you came yeah. back home on like whatever the, the new age bed rest where you just can't leave the house pretty much. Um, right. And then you had the kids, what? 33 and three. Yeah. And wow. then they were in the NICU for three weeks. Um, yeah. But it's one of those where as the, you know, as the dad, you can't do anything. And I remember like, looking for things online, what I could do. And somebody wrote, um, I think it was a nurse actually, like the best thing you can do is um, like they say, stay out of our way um, and understand that the mom is the number or the mom and babies are our only concern. And I'm like, Oh God. And here at that point I was worried about passing out during all this stuff. And right. And just adds more stress to everything. But then it was very similar kind of use how you worded that. Um, like that part-time parenting that was that's a great way to describe it because i remember 
for those three weeks, um, Megan would, I would, I went back to work because there was, for me, there was, I only had limited, I had about a month off that I was going to take and I didn't want to sit there in a hospital when there's nothing right. I could do. So I, I went to work, Megan went to the hospital, she would come home and well, I'd go to the hospital after work, we'd come home and it would be, we we're still waking up every three hours or four hours so you could pump, I'd get your pumps right. ready and so we were still waking up in yep. the middle of the night, early morning, cleaning all these pump parts, no babies at home. And yep. then when they came home, it was just like, just like a smack in the face. Like we're still, yeah. you know, still coming home. But it, instead of just being up for 20 minutes, you know, while you pumped and right. I talked to you, you're actually, you're right. up for you the actually have to wait for them and then wait yep. for them to cry or stop crying. Yep. Cause at that point I was still like worried about them crying and not wanting them to cry to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. and it was just, did yeah. you have that, um, I feel like, you know, this is a, a unique experience for parents of, of NICU babies, but, you know, coming, bringing them home and not having the sound of the monitors was such a kind of unsettling sound for me. Um, and I, I don't know if it's different now, but, you know, it, it, you know, there was a, there's a sense of security that they're, they're being monitored all the time when they're being in the hospital, even though, you wish it wasn't like that. It's very comforting to know that they're being checked, right? Yeah. But then you're sleeping and they're sleeping and you're like, well, are they okay? And I found that we just got up more often when there was silence because we were worried because we didn't know if they were okay. Mm-hmm. And then of course we got up when there was noise because they were crying and upset. And, you know, it, it was it, it, that adjustment you know, once, until we got used to them being quiet while they slept and having to just kind of trust the fact that they're okay while they're sleeping, that was a real, I don't know, it was, it, that, it, that first year, uh, and I know this sounds terrible, but it was like really good, like birth control for me, you know, <laughs> like I, I didn't, you know, we, we talked about having another one for us fraternal twins because there's something about fraternal twins that is there's a genetic component to it on both of our sides. Not that we have a history of it, but that it doesn't happen mm-hmm. on its own like identicals can. Mm-hmm. That we were five times more likely than, say, you know, our friends mm-hmm. to have twins again. And that was, you know, that was sobering. But that first year was just so hard that I didn't know if I could do it again. And in the end, I think I realized I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big hurdle. Um, now, of course, everything turns out well. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're 15, they're doing great. They're in their second year of high school. And, you know, you know, we have a great relationship. They're really healthy. Like everything turns out. Okay. It's just, you don't know that when it's happening. Um, yeah. I remember, my big concern, or both of ours, but I remember for me, I'm such a, I would consider, I'd call myself a light sleeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, it wasn't the monitors for me. I don't remember the monitors too much. For me, I was more worried that I didn't have a nurse at every second to be there to answer a question if I had a question. Like if Harper starts, you know, all of a sudden stops, you know, crying or if charlotte only ate half her food like why why what's up you know i didn't have that person to 
reassure me that everything was all right. And then when we brought them home, they told us <laughs> what the day of, like, oh, and make sure they sleep in your room. Um, yeah, we had planned on them sleeping not in our room. Yeah, in in their nursery, which was across the hall from our tiny house. But they're like, you need to have them, you know, whatever the standards are, suggest that you have the babies share the room with you for, what, the first six months or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't really. Happen. Yeah, yeah, no way. It lasted. They snored they didn't, so bad. <laughs> that's the point. They didn't tell us that. Yeah, they. Well, we were. I mean, they changed a lot on us. They. So they told us. They encouraged us not to have them share a crib and to have them s- sleep in our room. And so we had them in rock and plays in our room. And I mean, every time like one would move, I would wake up, or yeah. all of a sudden like. I'd sleep like an hour, not hear anything. I'm next thing I'm checking to make sure that they're breathing still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was, and I remember talking to the pediatrician and what she finally said, get them out of your room. Like, yeah, she was just like, it's spoke. she, she made the statement of like, you know, these standards are put in place throughout the whole world. You know, you're already in a better place than some, you know, you can, you know, have them in their, nursery you have a monitor you're not that far away from them right it's for the best of everyone's health at that point yeah Um, and oh that was a game changer for us yeah yeah that must have been a relief yeah that was a big i mean you we like it i still will wake up random times throughout the night and check the monitor but i think it's much better now that they're and you're out yeah i don't check the monitor (laughs) (laughs) and uh but yeah it was uh Definitely a an adjustment period coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on the NICU? Um, it was. I mean, we've said it before, but it's a roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know, one day it's great, and the next day it's not. And you know, we were we were bumping right against the holiday season too. So like, I was gung ho about having them out before holiday. And, um, you know, that was, I think the, Oh, getting them out of the NICU before Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think that was, I mean, that was kind of my main focus. I mean, that was kind of my goal. So I think, Mm -hmm. um, just pushing towards that kind of kept me going a little bit. I know you didn't want to spend I didn't know um, New Year's in the NICU? No, no. 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 Well, oh, then, you, you know you, I feel like Megan you really missed out on an experience. There. Yeah. I missed we, out uh, on the additional to... out of pocket maximum that I would have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually then you right, you, you also split it over 2 years. Then. Yeah. Cuz you start off that new year. I mean that's you yeah. know, that's really that's really the way to do it. And but you did get the the tax credit early, which oh, was yeah. smart. Yeah. So you know. that was like the first thing my dad said to me. I think. <laughs> yes. was, oh, that was good. You're getting the tax credit this year. I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, all part of our master plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember. Um, here we go. Let's talk fatherhood. I had a hard time dropping you off because you weren't able to drive. For how long were you? It was a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. They told you not to drive. I mean, you started driving. Yeah. But there was a time where um, it was hard dropping you off at the hospital and then driving you home from the hospital because you didn't want to leave. But I knew that it wasn't good for you to stay there 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It was a tough. That was. It was a tough time. It, yeah. It was, and it, I think. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no I'm. I was just going to say that I think uh, touching on the the fatherhood piece of that, I think, you know, we're, and I, it sounds like you felt this way, Ben, and I, I definitely felt this way that it's not really our role. Like we can't get up and, and pump. We're not like a central figure yet, but we did. I mean, I know I felt this responsibility that I needed to make sure she was okay in order to be able to help you know, for her to be able to provide for the kids, right? Like she needed to get her sleep. She needed to get rest. She needed to have a break because she could easily just push herself too hard. And so, you know, many times it was me kind of having to pull her back. Um, kind of like what you were saying, you know, bringing her home from the hospital. But even once we were home, just sort of having to say, like, you know what, just like, take a break, take a, take a nap, you know, get some rest. Like they're not going to need food for another two hours, you know? And, you know, that was kind of like, I really sort of thought of myself and I don't like to use this word, but I sort of thought of myself as more of this kind of supporting role because really so much of what I was doing was trying to help her be, um, not like have the energy, you know, have the the strength to be able to provide the nutrients literally that our children needed to, to grow. Um, and I think, you know, it's tough because I, it was just really hard that there wasn't a lot that I could do on my own. Um, you know, when they got, got to be a couple months, I mean, I, the, you know, we were, we were trapped in this one bedroom apartment, um, we used one crib and we had them both sleep in the crib and, you know, cause we didn't, there was there literally wasn't room for another crib. Um, and, you know, um, my wife would be nursing one of them and I would have the other one. And if it was my daughter, she would be screaming and I would have her in the bedroom with the door locked and my wife would be out in the living room. But, you know, it wasn't like a serious wall. And I just, you know, and I knew she was like worried about our girl because she's crying, but trying to make sure our boy was okay. And, and it was just, you know, it was just, I don't know, it was really tough. And, you know, it, but it taught me, like, I, I, I started singing to my daughter and like somehow the sound of my voice became soothing. Like I wouldn't have realized that if we hadn't been in that situation, you know, if we had only had one, and I think about this a lot, if we'd only had one, I probably wouldn't have been able to have been as involved because when my wife had one, I always had another one, you know, I always had a baby and that was great. I was always, I always had a chance to be bonding. I'm wondering if you had that, if you kind of felt the same way then. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, yeah. I didn't bond. Well, I well, it was. I think it was maybe. I'm answering for you, but I think it was maybe difficult to because we, like, I don't know, at three or four months, we figured out how to feed them. One that like I would be able to feed them, or Ben would be able to feed them. Yeah. So like, just one of us would get up in the middle of the night. I swear it wasn't even oh. three to four months because I wasn't. It was like you were still at home. Yeah, because I I didn't oh, produce enough. Genius. Yeah, I didn't produce enough milk to be able to sustain two babies. So we were, I mean, they were 
formula fed for the most part mm-hmm. with um a little bit of breast milk in there but but yeah it was it was creating a bond yeah with both of them i can't i see you know what you're saying and i definitely agree that if it were one kid it would have been much different i think with the bond between myself and them because i feel very very i mean i'm they're my kids i'm supposed to feel close but i feel very close to them and i remember my train of thought was a wife who's a wife who sleeps at night is a happy wife and so i was mm-hmm. i knew that was just going to be the the better option and i was the you know the night owl um, i always have been I would, you know, do the feeding at nine o'clock at midnight and then, you know, we'd alternate the three AM one. So if she if I did the three AM, she was able to sleep from nine AM to six AM, um which I or nine PM to six AM, which is good. And then, you know, I did have those times where you know, that and truthfully, that whole first year is still kind of a blur for me. But I remember having yeah. those times where I would just be sitting with one one the other one's already done feeding already asleep and the other one fell asleep on me and our babies aren't cuddly um we have a reasonable belief that due to being in the NICU they weren't yeah. <laughs> cuddly babies but you know when i had that opportunity of one falling asleep on my lap i would just sit there and you know have them on my lap um yeah. you know just kind of just enjoy that moment while the other one was yeah. sleeping and megan was in the bedroom sound asleep and um yeah I would kill for a moment like that again. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was thinking yeah. of that today. Just like, I mean, our kids are still, they're a year and a half, almost two, and they, they, as Ben said, they are not cuddly. Yeah. Um, I was talking to some, a nurse at my work, and she mentioned how, uh, you know, her, her daughter's pregnant and how the, her birthing class talked about how the baby will go right to the mom and they won't even wash the baby for 24 hours. So it gives the mom and the kid a time to bond. And, and I was telling her, I'm like, you know, that was something that we didn't get, you know, our babies oh, yeah. when they were born, no. they let Megan pretty much give them a kiss and they were rushed out of there. Yeah. And, um, and I had, so I have a cardiac condition. Mm-hmm. So I was actually on the cardiac ward oh, wow. um, cause they had me on telemetry and so, like, for the first day they were born, I maybe got to see them for an hour. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think that was traumatic for me when we went through the whole birthing hospital process. Yeah. And it was in our hospital that we were at, It they have a tower that is, like, cardiac, the top two, and then regular hospital stuff below that. And then another tower that has all the um, baby stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we had to literally go from the... 13th floor the 12th floor at one tower all the way down across the hospital up to the fifth oh. floor to the NICU with just, an escort with right? an escort just to visit. Yeah, yeah megan needed an escort because <laughs> they oh the wow. heart thing um and it was yeah it was tough but yeah we um you know it was those Oof. those moments so like you know yes kind of what you're saying i don't know if i would have put as much thought and in as much research during those first, like, I think it was the first month that we, within the first month or maybe six weeks, and maybe we talked to somebody on the show that gave us this idea, but about really trying to figure out how to give us each mo- more sleep. Oh, our pediatrician told us this because that was, we were getting like two and a half hours of sleep, yeah. two hours of sleep broken yeah. into like 
three sections yep. throughout the night. And that's, yeah. you know, like she said, you're better off just staying awake because it's not going to do anything for you. If you fall right. asleep for two hours, you're up for two hours. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's almost like torture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that was where, and I know we were both getting on each other's nerves and um, the babies were getting on our nerves. You know, at that point, it was just like, they were, all, they were also very, remember, they're not, they didn't say they're colicky, but we defined them as colicky. Yeah, they were fussy. And um, that was just our, you know, trying to figure out a way to make things a little bit easier, you know. And um, I was reading, I don't know where I read this about you or you wrote this in there, but, you know, and I think this was, yeah, I know it was, but something about, you know, like your house is like a mess. Um, There's, you know, it's just a messy house. And that was something that I remember just at that point, I think that was when I realized it, where I was like, our house is destroyed and it's, you know, we're sleeping two hours. We're, um, you know, I think, I don't even know how we were eating at that point. Do you remember? Not, not a clue. I mean, it was just one of those where, you know, things were just so crazy. And that I think was our best decision was to start doing that trading off. Yeah. And, um, and I think I even, to a point, was able to make it where I could try to give it, give you more sleep too, because I could always. I don't know, I'm I'm usually good with four or five hours of sleep a night. Yeah, I'm certainly not. You're like eight to twelve. It's <laughs> ideal. Yeah. A little more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it was the same with us. And you know, one of the and one of the my favorite stories I wrote, and it is in the is in the book and it's called the night watchman and it was this point where we realized we were both not getting enough sleep and you know we would have you know particularly once they got to be even two or three and we're having issues with sleep you know you're we were arguing in the middle of the night it's three o'clock in the morning and it's like you know we should do this and we should do that and uh but you, no one thinks well when they're sleep deprived and no one makes good decisions at three o'clock in the morning. And so, you know, it was just, it was terrible. And then I was like, look, you know, I was working, but she was staying home with them all day. And it just made more sense for me to be tired at work than it did for her to be tired with our kids. Mm-hmm. And plus it was the only time I had with them really. I mean, I was leaving before they got up in the morning for the most part. And then so I had maybe an hour, maybe two, if I was really lucky, when they got home. So, you know, for me, a chance to be there for them at night was a real opportunity. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought it was a, a way of kind of resolving one of our pain points, so to speak. Um, but to me, being the night watchman was probably the best thing, probably the best thing I did as a parent. You know, I think that it having them be able to see me as a as a primary caretaker in the night um putting them to bed and being there when they woke up just it changed the way they looked at me and it changed the bond that we had and it's it's really amazing but i think it also really helped my wife because it allowed her to get some rest which means she was better during the day and frankly i didn't need to be that much better during the day to do my job, you know? Mm-hmm. So did that make your all's relationship better? You and your wife? It, it definitely helped. I mean, you know, she, uh, I love her, but 
she's difficult when she hasn't had enough sleep. So, um, Aren't we all? Her being able, yeah, I mean, her being able to get, you know, for her, right, just like you were talking about, Megan, like for her to get six or seven hours straight is is really where she starts to see a benefit. You know, I was really excited when I got past four hours in a row. Like if I had a night that was more than four hours in a row, I was I was going to be OK during the day. You know, um, I mean, I don't think that was sustainable for years, but but for whatever tough stretch we were having, that was fine. And so it did really it did really work out well. And it and it, and it helped us because it, it also not only made it easier for us to relate during the day, but it saved us from these stupid arguments in the middle of the night that we were having when we weren't even conscious you know yeah yeah i remember arguing about cleaning pump parts and oh yeah i can't even remember what we would argue about but well i just remember one argument where i can't remember why i i'm sure i started it uh but it was something about the sink because i don't i hate like I don't know. I, I, I'm always one of those that gets bothered by like dishes in the sink, like overflowing. And those pump parts, do you remember in our old, in our old sink, they would just like multiply because, you know, we had the pump parts and then we were feeding them with Dr. Brown's bottles, which has like 1500 parts per <laughs> bottle. And, um, I remember just at one point we, I think we bought extra pump parts. We did. And just had enough. So we could literally go a full day almost with, pumps parts and then i just had we just had to do it and again it was the stupid arguments that when you look back you're like right. really you know, right that's why you got worked up that's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah so going um i want to touch on your book here and you kind of touched on it before but when did this did this just come out like this year it did it came out uh, in january so is this like and so you have a commute of 40 minutes is that's kind of the premise of this book right and it's stuff that you kind of jotted down during that commute no i i wrote it so it's a right it's a collection of articles Mm -hmm. but every single article was written on the long island railroad train on my 40 minute commute wow um and then and and the reason i kind of like that whole idea is because Almost everything was written in the morning. So whatever had happened the night before or whatever had happened that morning is really fresh in my mind. And it became this kind of therapeutic way of processing what was going on with me. Um, you know, I, I had this kind of pristine, treasured 40-minute time in the morning where I could just allow myself to kind of think about what am I, what, what's going on? What if, what's bothering me? What am I dealing with? And so, you know, there's a lot of articles about sleep. That was a big one. Uh, there's a lot of articles about um, that kind of bonding, like how I leave in the morning, how upsetting that was for the kids when they were younger. Um, you know, now it doesn't really phase them, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm just happy that you noticed that I'm not there. Um, but it was, it was just such a great chance. It was part therapy, part just kind of like what you're doing with this podcast. Like some things I just really wanted to get down because I think they were, I didn't want to forget them. Um, but what the other thing I like about it is that they are really these, these snapshots in time, right? They're, 
a kind of verbal photo of what we were experiencing in that moment. Uh, and and that's kind of what I, I like about the the concept of the piece. And I, I the, I'd like to think that, you know, this is not a book you have to read from beginning to end. If you're having some sleep issues, you just go to the sleep section and read a few articles and see either A, oh, wow, I'm not the only one, or B, maybe there's a good idea in there that I can borrow and adapt to my own needs, or three, that's an interesting idea. I don't like it, but it made me think of something else, you know? Um, and I, you know, so the book is broken up into these kind of defined sections of, of development, kind of that getting ready and, and after they're born and bonding and sleeping and that you haven't had this part as much, but kind of the realization of they're getting older and like, there's a, a story in there that <clears throat> I think uh, might affect you. There's uh, I, it's called more than a double stroller. Uh, and there was at one point in the basement where I realized that the double stroller was just sitting there. And I don't remember how it came in from the car, but obviously we were never going to use it again. And I couldn't get rid of it. Like I couldn't give away. I couldn't. It, and in fact, we moved houses. We still have it. It's in our basement now. Still- but it was, it was, it was such a, a such a symbol of like it, the time moves so quickly. They're getting older. And I hated that stroller. Like I hate, you know, when we'd go to the mall, I, I would, I would always be like, no, 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 we should leave the stroller in the car. Let's let them, you know, run and let, let's let them be free. And my wife was always like, no, 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 let's bring the stroller. Let's bring the stroller. It'll be easier for us. And, but then when, you know, when they didn't need it anymore, it, it was that pang of loss, you know, that, that they've gotten older. So there's a whole section about that as well. And then just some, frankly, some random stuff that's like, you know, why parenting is so hard, but like told in these kind of, you know, little snapshots. Um, and then I think, you know, one of the hard things about being a parent is that you never really know how well you're doing. Uh, and I tried to kind of give some examples from our experiences together about, you know, how, you know, moments that you can kind of look back and go, oh, okay. I mean, that's probably a sign that we're doing an okay job or that's a sign that we handled that well. And so I feel like it's, it's so hard to kind of feel that because we're just lost in the day to day chaos of being a parent. And worrying about whether we're doing a good job, it's hard to take that step back and say, "Hey, um, we we did that one well. That was good." Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at all the titles of your articles. They look fascinating. I mean, stuff that I don't even want to. Truthfully, I don't want to deal with like an answer for bullying. Ugh. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> So how long, how long did you, did it take you to write this? Like how long had you been capturing these little articles? I started when they were, I think your kid's age. I started when they were one and a half, two years old. So this has been a long project. Yeah. I mean, what I realized was, you know, after probably about, eight or nine years of doing it, I realized I had a ton of content. Mm -hmm. And I think 
you know, maybe it's time to see if it's worth sharing. <laughs> um, and I had actually written, so I've written a memoir, uh, and that was the first book that I wrote. And again, I wrote all of that into just these 40 minute chunks, uh, on the train. Um, but when that was finished, and that's really about, uh, the trauma I survived in my childhood and how that recovery process has led me to be the kind of man that I am today. And I realized that there's a, I need to tell the story about my being a dad first, I think. Um, and so I had these articles compiled together, but I they didn't know which order I was going to publish these books. And I decided to do the, the fatherhood book first um, and kind of, you know, start there, let people get to know me a little bit, kind of, um, kind of begin to share my story a little bit. And then um, probably some point next year, uh, I'll, I'll publish the, my memoir in my rearview mirror. Oh, that's awesome. I was reading some of your online reviews and um, somebody note, noted i don't know where it was but that it's not this book is not just for dads it's for all adults and you know just looking at this i think that is like a very true statement i mean it's looking at it through your eyes but i think it's something that you know it looks like something everybody can take something from even like grandparents aunts uncles you know all that caregivers anybody mm-hmm. well i certainly hope so <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, you know, I, I think the, the fatherhood world is, you know, obviously much better than it was when I became a dad 15 years ago. I mean, that, that universe was very small. Uh, and the idea that, you know, the kind of the way that the nurse talked to you, um, about kind of staying out of the way, like, I think, that's a, that's a pretty kind of standard perception of the role of dads, particularly in the beginning. And I think one of the things I'd really like to do is to change that. But I think one of the ways that we change that is not just by helping men see that being a fatherhood is part of being a man, that being an involved dad, that loving and caring for your kids on a regular basis in all of the regular everyday tasks that they need that that's part of being a good man. Uh, I think men need to know that, absolutely. But I think, and this is some of the reactions that I've seen, partly from the, a lot of the interviews that I've been doing, is that women seem to need to hear it too. That they they want this perspective of, well, what are men really struggling with when they're trying to be a good dad? And, you know, I've had, several women say to me it's like i it's 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 amazing that dads have the same kinds of worries and and concerns that we have as mothers and a part of me is like well of course i mean we we care and love for our children the same way but i think also just that perception of men as being kind of that lone wolf kind of uh you know, more of the financial supporter, kind of more of not being, not showing their feelings out and open. Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to see that change. And I think, you know, obviously what the two of you are doing, I think is a great example of that. 
you know, they get to see not just how Ben is as a, an involved dad, but also the interactions that you two have together. I think that's a great model. And, you know, hopefully this book is a, is another way that people can experience that model as well. Yeah. I think something you said there kind of, you know, I, I don't think I was, I didn't express all my like fears to you. I know that like when they're younger, because my mentality is if I'm, if I'm freaked out about it and I freak her out about it, there's nothing good to have both of us freaked out about something, you know? So there were, I did, you know, it was like that, not the financial support, but more of like the, I don't know, is it a masculine support? That's probably chauvinist thing to say, but you know, like that keep, I think another important thing was keep, you know, keeping you, Megan, happy and, or supportive, like you said, you know, and just being there. And, um, as that, like you said before, like that support system or, however you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's no, oh, I like this. It would have been a book. I definitely would definitely going to check out and probably something I would have checked out pre the kids. Right. And probably would have just like, all right, see ya. Packed <laughs> up and rant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it was the, yeah, it's definitely been completely changing. I, you know, the things that, I worried about before the kids were born were like stupid stuff. I was just telling a coworker, like I was worried about, you know, paying for diapers, thinking that diapers were so expensive. Whereas now that's like the least of our, our worries. Yeah. Um, we went as far as buying cloth diapers because we thought that would just be better environmentally and better financially. And now it's like, what were we thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why were we worried about that? Um, and it was something that I couldn't have, yeah, it was one of those you couldn't even plan for, you know, I, uh, I had, I only had actually held a little baby once, you know, and, um, I just remember even when going up to the NICU the first time they're like, do you want to hold her? I'm like, no, <laughs> it was just like, you know, let's let, we'll let the mom hold the kids first. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, going through it so um where can people pick up your book uh they can go to my website uh it's jgs.net so my name is jeremy g schneider so just my initials jgs.net and they can get it there awesome. and they also can get a chance to learn a little bit more about me if they're interested awesome and um do you have like let me see here i'm looking at it yeah, this is a great website because it shows like you've been you've been on a lot of TV and radio and podcasts and um, looks like you've had some other interviews and um, I think it's it's good having another or having somebody out there that has like you said fifteen year old twins you know talking about parenting and um, and you made it I mean that like you you made yeah. it an additional thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I, you know, I, I wish when I was, when, you know, when I was at your place, you know, that there were kind of more people to kind of see, oh, okay, so it gets, it gets easier or it doesn't get easier, but you still make it, you know? Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to me or to us with our kids? You know, they're, what are they, like 22 months old, 20 months old, somewhere in there. What would you give to me? 
um, you know, wrapping up this podcast here, what would you, what advice would you give us? I guess I would do a a couple things. I would want you to understand a little bit about the, the research about fatherhood involvement and you know, the, the, the research studies that have been done on fatherhood involvement are pretty conclusive that um, children of father of involved dads tend to do better at school. They have better emotional management. They have better life satisfaction. There are so many benefits for children of involved dads. But the key thing to remember is that the involvement is not defined by us as dads, right? Every single study that's been done about fatherhood involvement is done based on a survey of the children's perception of how involved their dad was. So I like to think about that a lot and think about that I can't ever rest on my laurels. I can't ever say, I've had a good week. I'm, you know, I can coast for a while, you know, because I don't know if I've had a good week, right? I only can, I can only perceive that I think I've done well for this week, but I don't know if they've had that experience, right? If they've walked away or gone to bed at night knowing daddy loves me, daddy cares about me, daddy's there no matter what happens. And I think that's a really, you know, it's, it's tough to think about because it means that we kind of constantly have to be present and be there. But on the flip side, I think it's a really good reminder for us that the benefits of us being involved and connected really stem from our children's perceptions of that. And so we need to do as much as we can and in many different ways, right? Not, you know, it's not just say taking them out to a ball game or it's not just taking them to a Broadway show, but it's a wide variety of things that helps them to understand across the spectrum that they are loved and accepted no matter what they do or what they say. And I think that's an, an important thing for all parents, but particularly for men, because this is, you know, we tend to be learning this as we go. And so to kind of understand what the research is saying, I think is really helpful. And there are a few other things I talk about in the introduction of my book that go over some of the research. But I think for me, that's probably the biggest, the biggest takeaway. That's cool. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, definitely got to pick this up and read through it. I think it's uh, going to be helpful, eye-opening. I'll probably laugh at the stories because I'm sure there's going to be stories where you know, we've went through it or I can already imagine us going through it. And like I right. said, that bullying one, I already know how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to go find that <laughs> and kick their ass. And um, Just kidding. Violence is not the answer unless they're bullying <laughs> my daughters. And then, um, but Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Um, oh, thank you so much for having me. I see you are on Facebook as well as on Twitter and um, it's JGS author on Facebook and same with Twitter. And we'll put that, um, in our show notes and on our website and stuff. Um, Great. But yeah, thank, thank you, you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It was us. my pleasure. It was great talking with you. 
Thanks for listening to The Twinning Podcast. To connect with Megan and Ben, check out The Twinning Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. They'd love to hear from you. And if you like the show, please share it with others who also have twins.